from Blank Rome, you're listening to BR at Work, the labor and employment podcast for in-house counsel and HR executives. We invite you to join us as we explore relevant topics at the intersection of law, business, and current events to help you answer questions, solve problems, defend claims, and attract and retain a talented, engaged workforce. Let's get to work. Hello and welcome to BR at Work, a podcast focused on helping organizations get the most out of their workforces by providing thoughtful, strategic, and compliant strategies. My name is Will Anthony. I'm a partner with Blank Rome, and I'm joined by uh, two of my California partners, Caroline Donnellan and Natalie Alamedine. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having us. Of course. In this podcast, we uh, like to explore timely workplace uh, issues of interest to in-house counsel, human resources, professionals, and executives. And while none of this is intended to provide legal advice on your particular issues, we hope that you're going to find all of this information very helpful. As always, we want to know what's on your mind and what you're interested in hearing about, and we'd love to have you join us. So feel free to reach out to me at william.anthony at blankrome.com with any of your thoughts on topics and your willingness to present on one of our podcasts. So Caroline and Natalie, uh, I think as you both know, I started my legal career in California and it got really much more difficult than I signed up for. So I left. <laughs> uh, but you two have uh, handle the heat of the Golden State. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was supposed to be a pretty simple uh, concept, labor and employment law, but wow, uh, not so much in California. So Today, what we want to cover is kind of what's going on in the, the Golden State. What is keeping our clients up at night? So, Caroline, what do you think? Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having us. There's so much going on in the Golden State. It's hard for even Natalie and myself to keep up with it. But, you know, our biggest challenge and, and what I'm talking to my clients most about right now is PAGA. And for those of you who don't know, PAGA is the Private Attorneys General Act, although there has been many hilarious um, alter ego acronyms made up for PAGA. Pretty much anything goes, pretty much all goes to the attorneys. I've heard it all. But PAGA is something that keeps our clients up at night and never more than it has in 2022. We'll talk about these separately, but PAGA is on the Supreme Court of the United States docket this year. Um, Pocket is going to be in the hands of the California voters this fall, and there's just a lot to talk about with respect to this law, which is essentially our bounty hunter law in California. So to break it down very simply, PAGA allows individual employees to put on the hat of the labor commissioner in California and go out and recover penalties for the state of California on behalf of the individual employee and any other, quote, aggrieved employees. And it's turned into a real uh, money-making scheme for the plaintiff's bar because it triggers a right to recover attorney's fees. For both the plaintiff's bar, and I think I read a stat, that statistic that California recovered like $88 million in, in 2019 alone due from these PAGA penalties because they get a, port, a 75% portion of any kind of PAGA settlement. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The only people that don't recover any money, it seems, are the employees. So, so go ahead. I know I was going to say I can elaborate on why it's coming up now as like a big 
you know, 2022 update, um, because, you know, this, this pocket law was first implemented back in 2004. And I'd say over the last 10 years, there's been a huge, huge uptick in all these Tonga representative lawsuits getting filed. Back in 2014, just to kind of lay some of the background, you know, this case came out in Estonian that basically said, you know, when, when employers would include waivers in their arbitration agreements for PAGA representative claims, that, you know, th this was unlawful um, under California law and that in California, you can't waive those claims, similar to how, you know, arbitration agreements can waive class actions. And then in 2015, there was a Ninth Circuit ruling that also held that the Federal Arbitration Act does not preempt California's laws in being able to waive these, these positive claims. So over the last few years, there's been multiple petitions to the U.S. Supreme Court to kind of evaluate whether the Federal Arbitration Act would, um, does, does preempt, you know, these California prohibition against PAGA waivers. And, you know, just this past December, 20, December 15, 2021, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to take a look in this case, Viking River Cruises Inc. versus Mariana, to, to take a look. And I think that this is significant, largely because, um, the assumption is that it won't, that, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court won't preserve the status quo if they would have by, you know, just simply denying this, this case. Um, so I think especially given the conservative makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court, um, we're expecting changes <laughs> to, um, you know, to, to, the, to an employer's ability to actually include um, PAGA waivers in their arbitration agreements. We've always told our clients, you better have, especially our larger clients that have a lot of non-exempt employees in California. We've pretty much always tell them you should have an arbitration agreement in place and be sure that arbitration agreement has a class action waiver. And we're hoping that we'll be able to tell them soon that you can also have a PAGA waiver. But we'll hear from the Supreme Court on that this term, which means we could hear as early as the spring or the summer. Um, so we're starting to prepare those agreements now to make sure our clients are ready for that in case it happens. That's great. And, and you mentioned also that there's a, uh... PAGA will be in the hands of California voters this year? So the there's a huge initiative, huge, coming in November. So in December of last year, the California Secretary of State approved a, a distribution of a petition that was signed by many, many business owners, and, and Cal Chamber has done a good job of pushing this forward. But it essentially was to put a bill on the ballot that would basically repeal PAGA. And, and what it does is completely reshape it. This bill is called the Fair Pay and Employer Accountability Act, which is not as easy to make an acronym of as PAGA, but people are calling it F-P-E-A-A. <laughs> and it's basically going to take enforcement of the California Labor Code out of private quote, aggrieved employees, i.e. the plaintiff's attorneys that make all the money off these cases, and give it back to the labor commissioner. So there's many components of this, and I won't get into them all in great detail. But under this new law, workers will receive 100% of any monetary penalties that are imposed. As the law stands now, if you're a PAGA member, and you receive PAGA penalties, 75% of what the plaintiff's attorney recovers goes to the state of California, and only 25% goes to the workers. So that's going to be completely re revamped, revised. The goal is that 
We're going to get the money to the, the workers that need it, that, that are owed the money. And another really interesting component that I think is great is that they have this consultation and policy publication unit. And that's a place where employers can, of all size and all resources, can call and get assistance with compliance on some of these very technical aspects of wage and hour law. So the hope is that it'll protect employers from, from these lawsuits where the employees don't really benefit anyways, and it's going to streamline what is recovered to the workers that deserve it. Okay. So generally speaking, uh, California employers do with arbitration agreements now and planning for the, the future, because we all know that California just has, as I look at the California docket every day, dozens and dozens of wage and hour class actions in, you know, including non-PAGA actions. And uh, I would think California employers really would love to benefit from arbitration agreements with class waivers, of course, unless they get hit with thousands of, you know, single plaintiff arbitrations at the same time. But can you, you know, talk to us a little bit about arbitration in California? Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, typically a lot of arbitration agreements did have carve-outs for PAGA claims just because it wouldn't have been enforceable. So I think the immediate next step should be to, you know, revise our agreements to expressly include PAGA waivers to the extent allowed under applicable law. And I think that you're exactly right that I think the fear with the class action waivers is that there'd be, you know, a thousand individual claims being filed, which we hadn't really seen. So who knows if that will happen with PAGA claims if, you know, if now plaintiff's attorneys can't go after both either class action or representative actions, who knows? But I think we'll, we'll want to include a, we'll want to include that in the, in the waiver in our arbitration agreements just so that if it, you know, we, we want to reach the benefits of this decision once it comes out. Something else that we've had come up is, is a new law in California that restricts our ability to mandate arbitration agreements as a condition of employment. And so typically there's been very strong legal authority for being able to mandate employees as a condition of employment or condition of continued employment to be able to sign these arbitration agreements. And currently that's in flux, largely due to this new California law, which actually prohibits um, employers from mandating arbitration agreements. So this is something that you know we'll want to closely analyze because there can even be criminal liability under, under this new law if, if it's determined that we're trying to mandate a, um, an, an arbitration agreement and an employee refuses to sign. But once they sign the arbitration agreement, it's fully enforceable. This is the wacky part of California law. And the and the judge that had a dissenting opinion on this law that Natalie's talking about said, it's basically like making, uh, if you attempt to sell drugs, that's illegal. But if you, if you seal the deal and you sell the drugs, then that's legal. That was sort of the analogy that the judge put in her, in, in the dissenting opinion which I thought was interesting. So if you have executed arbitration agreements with your employees, you are fine. The only rocky road comes if you present it to an employee as a condition of employment and they refuse to sign. So it's a very interesting and very fine line. And so what a lot of our clients are doing is making those programs voluntary for the time being. And remember too, just taking a step back, I said earlier that I almost always recommend arbitration agreements for clients, especially larger clients, but arbitration is not a one size fits all. It's viciously expensive. 
it can become, you know, employers have to pay for it in California. And if you have a small little single plane of claim that gets into arbitration, that arbitrator's fee that you have to pay, which could be 10 times the amount at issue, could become a bargaining chip for the for the employee. So talk about arbitration with your legal counsel. We're certainly here to talk about it with our clients and um, make sure that it's right for you and what you want to um, have. A lot of my clients don't like to have arbitration for harassment claims just as part of the ethos of their operations. So keep that in mind. It's not one size fits all, but you have to be really on top of these legal nuances right now if you do want to have arbitration programs in place with your employees. I agree. And we know that there's some federal initiatives to ban arbitration agreements in uh, the workplace, and we've been following those. And of course, we design our arbitration agreements to attempt to make mass arbitration much more difficult by indicating that the plaintiffs actually have to sign the demand for arbitration or make a statement of their own personal claim and things like that. So there are lots of strategies and lots of things to, uh, to think about. But we do know that everything in employment law moves east. It starts in California and moves east. So what else is going on uh, that our multi-state employers should be thinking about? I think one of the most interesting dynamics right now is the confluence of this incredibly pro-worker, pro-union administration that we have, an extremely conservative Supreme Court that's interpreting these laws that are coming down. I have never in my many years, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to have a little bit of a track record. I've never seen such interesting dynamics, looking at cases that are coming out of the Supreme Court, hearing initiatives that are coming out of the White House. It's just a really fascinating time to be an employment lawyer. So my, I think those are big macro issues that we're going to see percolate down as time goes on. Natalie, any other thoughts? Yeah, I agree with everything Caroline just said. And, you know, the one topic we haven't touched on yet is that, you know, COVID is still here. California, two days ago, February 7th, reenacted, or California reenacted the uh, California Supplemental Paid Sick Leave. So we can, you know, expect employers to need to comply with that again. It's going to be, it provides for up to 80 hours of of supplemental paid sick leave um, retroactively to January 1st of 2022 for employers of 25 or more employees. So that's something we should be mindful of. And, and of course, any and all other OSHA, Cal-OSHA <laughs> guidelines, you know, as we as we combat that Omicron surge. So Natalie just mentioned that we have California state COVID paid sick leave is coming back to um, a workplace near you. And I find it ironic, frankly, because our state mandated COVID supplemental paid sick leave expired in September of 2021. And then the state and the country was hit with this massive surge of Delta and Omicron and everyone got sick over the holidays. And that's when we really needed COVID paid sick leave. And I just, you know, now that it's sort of mellowing out, it's interesting to me that now we're going to look at another requirement for employers to provide COVID supplemental paid sick leave. So the timing is a little off. The intentions may be good, but the timing is a little off. But luckily, there should be a component to that, that our our, um, employers will get a tax credit similar to the federal law that was in place in 2020. So that is what it is. We have to follow the rules, but 
The other thing to remember is that you may be in a locality within California, like the county of Los Angeles or the city of Los Angeles, that has different rules. So California is unique in that we're our own country. And then we also have little fiefdoms in the cities and counties that comprise the state. So it's a real patchwork that you have to navigate and be on top of. Interesting uh, uh, fiefdom to host the Super Bowl uh, this weekend as well. So <laughs> go Rams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to today's BR at Work podcast. We hope that you learned some strategies that will help you achieve your business objectives through having an engaged, motivated, and energized workforce. Your jobs are challenging, and we appreciate all that you do for your organizations. But again, if you have thoughts for topics or presenters, please reach out at william.anthony at blankrome.com. And as you know, we like to close every uh, podcast with some positive thoughts. So Caroline, let me ask you for a positive thought for the day. Positive thought for the day. So let me ask you this before I answer. Is this with my employment lawyer hat on or just my human being hat on? Your human being hat. My human being hat? Well, it's kind of both. I'll say this. I think that we have never seen times like we're living in now. And just like when I talk to my clients that are human resource professionals, I say, when they're making tough decisions, I say, put the human back in that human resources. I think kindness is king. That applies to my professional advice to employers. It applies to when I talk to my six and nine-year-olds. Kindness is king right now. And I think doing right by other people, even when no one's looking, is going to go a long way. That's a great message. Natalie? I, I read a quote today that I liked. It, you know, The quote is, wherever you go, no matter what the weather, always bring your own sunshine, which I liked not only because you know, it's February in California and 80 degrees outside <laughs> right now. <laughs> but for the days that are not sunny, it's a kind of a good reminder that we can do small little impacts of positive things throughout the day to, to bring that sunshine in other ways. It's awesome. All right. Well, thank you both very much. It was a real treat to present with you and look forward to working with you again. Thanks. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of BR at Work. To continue the conversation with a team of attorneys that understand your business, your needs and priorities, and the unique risks you face, visit us at blankrome.com. The insights and views presented in BR at Work are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind.